Uh, what's up, everybody out there at Amplify? Thank you for tuning in to this week's Bible study message. Remember to tell all your friends about the group. It will remain private, but we still want to get more people in here so the discussions can get better and better and more meaningful and thoughtful. Just tell them to go to facebook.com slash groups slash Amplify Bible Study, and they'll be able to hop on over and join this discussion as we continue to work our way through the book of Numbers. Now, last week we saw that rebellion from Moses's um, siblings for Moses's brother and sister and the ramifications of that rebellion and this week we're going to look at one of my favorite and I mean this truly one of my favorite lessons that the Bible teaches us and I, I'm so excited to be able to look at this section of scripture today this is one of the ones I've been waiting to look at and this also ties into one of my other favorite lessons that the Bible teaches us um, but we'll talk about that here probably next week because I'm going to divide this section up into two weeks because I think it needs to be divided up into two weeks. We need to look at what actually happens and the appeal from some of the people that it happens from. And then next week we're going to look at God's response to what actually happens. So let's dive in, shall we? Now, I told you your reading assignment was chapters 13 and 14 in Numbers, and that is correct because that's what we're going to be looking at. I want to just very quickly recap chapter 13. I'm not going to go line by line on chapter 13 because I think we're all familiar with the story. What we see here in chapter 13 is God is going to give Moses a order, a directive, that he wants 12 people to go out and spy on the land, to look out at the land that he has promised to give them. He says 12 because he wants one member from each of the Israelite tribes to go out and look at the land. And the beginning of 13 is kind of the introduction of, to the people and the tribes they belong to as they're going out to look at the land. And then towards the end of it, we see the real root problem that occurs and what happens is they go out they look at the land and they all see all 12 of them see it is as God described it is exactly what God described for them that he would give them it's this great land that is flowing with all kinds of produce and it's just a great land to live in but what happens is 10 of the 12 after they describe that, yes, it is what God wants us to do, it is what God has told us the land he's going to provide to us, say but. And whenever you hear the word but, when it comes to somebody saying, well, it's, it is what God wants me to do, it's the path that God wants me to go, but you know what is about to happen. And what's about to happen is you don't say but unless you're going to do something that is going to be against God. And that's exactly what occurs here. Is these 10 out of the 12 say, yes, it's a great, a great land, but they start to complain about the people that are in the land. They start to complain that there's no way we're going to be able to ever take this land. They're so big. And, and at one point they say, we look like grasshoppers compared to the people in the land. But then there's two after these, after these 10 that get done saying this, there's two that stand up, Caleb and Joshua. And Caleb and Joshua stand up and give a report and say, yes, the land is exactly what God described. The land is exactly where God 
wants us to go. And let's go now. Let's take it now. We can go now and proclaim the land, that the promised land that God is going to give us. And I say this because God is with them. They give this whole speech and they say, we can go take it now. It's the land that God has promised to us and we can go get it because God is with us. And this gets, up, gets us up to chapter 14. And these are the verses in chapter 14 that I really want to concentrate on this week and next week. And it's verses 5 through 19. And we're going to look at 5 through, I believe it's 10 today. And then we're going to look at 11 through 19 next week. And here's what happens. They say, this is the land. This is the land that we need to go into. But the Israelite community goes with the 10 that say, it's exactly what God said it is, but we can't take it. And they start to cry out and mourn that they can't go. And we see this in verse 5. Then Moses and Aaron fell face down in front of the whole assembly of the Israelite community. Now this would have been a very unusual thing to happen because they're not prostrating themselves in front of God. They're not laying down to pray in front of God. What they're doing is laying down in front of the whole community. And they're doing it because they're showing just how upset they are with the decision that the community is making. And they're making this appeal to the Israelite community over the gravity of the choice that they are making here. What's happened is this mob rule mentality has taken over. This, this, we're not going to listen to the people that, the men, that God has sent out. We're not going to listen to the men of God that have come back and given us this report that we can take it over. We're going to let mob rule take over instead. And we see this in other places in the Bible too. Let's remember, as Jesus is standing up there, and Herod is saying, which one do you want? And, he, and what happens? We see the Jewish leaders go around and start to entice the crowd to call for Jesus instead of Barabbas. It's this same type of mentality that you see going on here with these 10 people who've come back and said, it's exactly like God says it is, but we can't overtake the people that are in it, have stirred up the rest of the crowd. And Aaron and Moses are now laying down going, you don't understand what you're doing. And then we see in verse 6, Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jehovahum, I think I pronounced that right, who were among those who scouted the land, tore their clothes, and said to the entire Israelite community, the land we pass through and explored is an extremely good land. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will bring us into this land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and give it to us. Only don't rebel against the Lord. And don't be afraid of the people of the land, for we will devour them. Their protection has been removed from them, and the Lord is with us. Don't be afraid of them. This is a model of how we should appeal to people when they try to rebel against God. Look at what Joshua and Caleb say. I love, love, love love verses 
eight, or it's actually really seven through nine. It is such an impassioned plea, a, such a well-reasoned out plea to the nation of Israel. And it's a model of what we should do when we come across somebody, even if it's one person or a hundred, that is rebelling against God. What do they do? They make a reasoned and encouraging appeal to the people that are rebelling. In this case, the Israelite community. And then look at what they do. They go on to try to show the community that God is keeping his promises. Look at what they say. Is it extremely good land? In other words, it's the land exactly as God describes it to us. It's the land that's been described to us since the beginning when we were pulled out of Egypt. It's the land that's flowing with the milk and honey. In other words, it's, it's perfect for growing things. And God will give it to us. But then look at verse 9. Don't rebel against the Lord. They make this appeal that God is keeping his promises. And then they're warning not to go against what God says. He says, you know, this is the land that we are, we, God is 100% keeping his promises, and if we just do what he says, he will give it to us. Don't rebel against what God says. Because notice that even the people that said we shouldn't go into the land, those 10 spies, scouts, whatever you want to call them, that say, no, the people are too big for us, never once say the land isn't good. So they're upholding what God has promised as well. They never once say, no, we shouldn't go in there because the land is horrible and we're not going to be able to grow anything. Their only complaint is what? Fear. They fear the people that are currently in the land. But Joshua and Caleb make the point that we shouldn't be fearing what's going into the land. Why? Their protection has been removed from them, and the Lord is with us. In other words, let's go now. They're not protected anymore because we have God on our side. And the Lord is with us. So let us go and take this land because God will be there right beside of us. But what happens? It's what ha same thing that happens with us. It's the exact same thing that we do on a daily basis. We might not do it to this large of an extent, but we still do it on a daily basis. Which is what? We let fear take over. We let the fear of what might happen outrule the promise of what God says will happen if we just trust him. And that we have to stop doing. Not only that, but then Joshua and Caleb go one step further because they point out that refusing to go into the land isn't just some arbitrary decision they're making. They have two choices, go or don't go, and, and, and we're deciding not to go. No, no. They point out that it is a specific sin against God if they don't go into the land. They're laying it out here for them. Right? They're telling them, 
Don't rebel against God and don't be afraid of the people of the land. Don't rebel against God. Don't sin against God. The people know what they're doing is going against what God wants from them. And they're reminded by Caleb and Joshua here. Don't do this. But what happens? We do it anyway. See, and we need to be careful not to do this. We need to be careful not just not to make arbitrary decisions on things without making sure that it falls within God's will for our lives. What we see God do here, what we see them do, the Israelites do here, is they know what direction God wants them to go in. You have four people telling them, Moses, Aaron, Joshua, Caleb, all four saying, this is the direction God expects us to go. This is the direction God wants us to go in. And they refuse to do it. They know what they need to do, and they refuse to do it. And we see this encouragement that Caleb and Joshua give at the end. God is with us. Let's go do it. God is with us. We don't have to be afraid of them. Why? Because the Lord is with us. And they still refuse to do it. Here's the thing. If you're walking down a path that God has told you to go down, and you remain true to what he has told you, you have nothing to fear and worry about. Nothing. It's only when you get off that path and start doing things for yourself that are not within the path and the plan that God has for you that fear should start. We have to remember that. Now, let's look at verse 10. While the whole community threatened to stone them, them being those four, Moses, Aaron, Joshua, Caleb, all of Israel threatens to stone them, the glory of the Lord appeared of the Israelites at the tent of meeting. In other words, those four would be dead if God doesn't step in and stop this. And this is a reminder to all of us that when we go out and when we, we try to make an appeal to sinners and we try to help people get back on the path that God wants them to go on, that hatred and violence most likely is going to come. Even the mere suggestion that some people need to maybe tweak their life a little bit to adjust off of the path of sin and down the path God wants them to go on will bring an attack on you. And if you don't think that's true, you, you might be saying, you know what, I, no one's going to behead me. No one's going to stone me here. You're right. But watch your social media accounts one time. As soon as you start even mentioning you know, man, if you're a Christian, you probably really shouldn't be doing this. You probably shouldn't be watching this. You probably shouldn't be sorting this. You are going to get attacked like you've never been attacked before. Expect it. But here's the thing. It's just part of ministering to those who are lost without God. 
it doesn't stop you from continuing to uphold God's values, God's commands, and what God wants you to do, which is go out and give the good news of the gospel. Go out and tell everyone you meet that even if you know they're saved, about what Jesus Christ did for us, about how he died for us. And yes, you're living in this sinful behavior, but God doesn't want that from you. That's what we need to be doing. We don't need to be worrying about who's going to stone us, who's going to hate us, the reaction of the people. What we need to worry about is where those people are going to end up when they are no longer here on earth. See, the four here, and this is why I love this story so much, because it's 10 against 2, and Caleb and Joshua were never, ever, ever going to waver from the fact that God said to do this, so why are we even having this discussion? Whereas the 10 bought into the fear that the devil wants to put in us all the time. I hope that you've gotten something out of this message today. I hope it's moved you today. And I will have the questions up. I'm not going to put them here. I want you to watch the video first and I'll put the questions up. And I please, please, please invite your friends. And not only invite your friends, please get involved in the discussion questions when they go up. Particularly this week. Because I, I just love this passage. I love this portion of the Bible. And next week... We're going to examine God's response to all this. So next week we'll be looking at 11 through 19. So until then, spread the word about the group. Get involved with it. If you, if you missed a couple weeks, that's why we have it here. You can go back and still participate. Watch the videos. Get involved in the discussion questions if you missed them. Thanks, everybody. Have a great, great week, and I'll see you again next Wednesday.